0: Hello and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I am David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how are you?
1: I'm. I mean, I'm good generally, but very sad with the with the news um, that we got tonight that uh, Larry Wall, um, former longtime spokesman, media icon as they say died tonight um and I the outpouring from miami hurricanes fans because he worked for miami um for many years and the orange bowl that's where he was and everything from everything from the new york yankees to abc to the whole country i mean we're hearing from people that are that are very upset
0: yeah, we are recording this, uh, it is Wednesday night, um, Larry Wall, who, who'd been sick for a little while, uh, obviously things took a turn for the worse and he passed away. We're going to do a little bit of a, uh, spring preview in the second half of this episode, but, uh, we wanted to start off by talking a little bit about Larry, uh, and to do that, we wanted to bring on a guest this week. It's Cameron Gorby, the assistant athletic director for communications at the University of Miami. Cam, how are you?
2: I'm doing as well as I can be, I guess, David, uh. Susan's obit was, I think, a tremendous tribute to a guy who meant so much to so many of us. Um, so with that said, obviously, a, a really tough night for the University of Miami community. But um, you know, when Susan asked if you know I, I could hop on tonight, it was sort of a no-brainer because of just how much Larry Wall meant to this community and, and how much Larry Wall means to our uh, Hurricanes Athletics Department. It is uh, just an inconceivable amount, really.
1: And, you know, and Cam, for, for someone who's, you know, supposedly in the background, kind of, uh, of you know, not in the center of the news itself, um, it's, isn't it just amazing how much love is being poured out? I, I just can't throw out that, you know, you don't, like everybody loved Larry Wall, but it's, he wasn't in the center of everything. He was kind of on the outside of it. I don't know how you describe it, but the, yeah,
2: I think it, I think it, I think it's a very astute observation and just kind of goes to show you what kind of person Larry was, you know, uh, our job, you know, communications PR media relations field, obviously for a long time has been known as sports information. Um, we're sort of connectors, right? We connect uh, writers and radio personalities and, and TV hosts with student athletes and coaches and, and, um, you know, sort of the gatekeepers of a lot of those relationships, um, And so when someone to your point, Susan, who is so behind the scenes to see the outpouring um, of support and the outpouring of love and emotion and passion for Larry, it just goes to show you, if you make that sort of mark on people in your capacity, it is a a testament. I think the the response that um, to the news about what kind of person Larry was and just how much he meant to so many people.
1: And for you, Cam, how, um, you know what, I mean, you're obviously, Larry was 67. You're a lot younger than that. What, what can you learn from him? Or obviously you were friends with him too. What did you learn from him? And, um, you know, how can he be a role model kind of?
2: To- totally, I think, I think what made Larry so special was his ability to maintain relationships with various um, groups, whether, you know, obviously various people a lot of times whose interests are not necessarily perfectly aligned. It's really hard to manage the credibility of the New York Yankees ownership and players and uh, coaching staff, and also um, look out for the best interests of the beat writers and news teams who cover the Yankees. A lot of times those things are not going to be um, exactly along the same lines. And Uh, Obviously, Larry started, you know, did it with the Yankees, um, was with the University of Miami for a long time and, um, you know, has had been with the Orange Bowl since, you know, early 2000s. And for everyone to feel similarly about Larry, whether that's a reporter, whether that's a colleague, whether that's a former player, a coach, uh, Susan in your obit for the Herald, which was wonderful, you know, Dennis Erickson and, and Jimmy Johnson, gave some wonderful tributes to him. I think it just goes to show that if you are able to make successfully maintain all of those relationships, when uh, there's so much scrutiny and so many, um, you know, kind of different different cards at the table, it is really, really impressive. And it's really a testament to him. And I think that that's what I take, take with me the most. Um, if you've been to Miami Hurricanes press box in the past, you know, wow. seven, eight years, Larry Wall has been sitting behind me Busting my chops for four straight quarters, whether the hurricanes were winning or losing, which is my was quite honestly one of my favorite parts of game. Day. And that is uh, no exaggeration. He is um, he is, you know, was was the most special person in that regard because um, you knew that he had been in your shoes. And his lightheartedness, his affability, his ability to relate to people was just unparalleled. And I think that, um, you know, as I move forward in my career, that's sort of the the type of person that I, um, you know, model myself after was an ability to maintain relationships with a lot of different people in a way that, you know, no matter what those people knew that and know that I have their back and that I'm going to do my best on their behalf. And that's, that's what Larry Wall was to so many people.
1: And that you could, and that you could be trusted, you know, by all those people that you could still, you know, Larry, Larry said that you had to treat the media, you know, you had to be honest,
2: Absolutely. And I think that, um, like I said, when when you're working for, you know, the University of Miami, um, you know, obviously, especially the football program is is treated um, like a pro sports team in this marketplace. Right. The passion of the Definitely. fan base, the, the eagerness of, of our fan base and the expectations and the, the media coverage that comes along with it. You know, there aren't many college football programs in America. Maybe none who operate in a major media marketplace who command the same level of attention and eyeballs and clicks and, and viewership and all that. And so, um, you know, that's, that's why that's even more paramount and for him to um, have been able to build that level of trust amongst uh amongst players amongst coaches amongst media members I just again it's just it, it really is a tribute to his legacy in the professional side of things forget you know forget the personal side of things where he's just the best person you could ever meet a guy who put a smile on every single person's face Um, you know from a from a professional aspect he was the tops because of that exact reason that you said susan that his his ability to gain the trust of others and to put his trust in others was unparalleled and for that you know that that's why we're seeing the type of outpouring of support we're seeing tonight
0: yeah and he kind of jumped from circus to circus when you start with the george steinbrenner yankees and end up with the 1980s miami hurricanes like that's a lot of uh like he said, a lot of media attention to deal with and a lot of characters to deal with uh, that he, he dealt Definitely. with in his career. There's
2: there's no doubt. And and I think that, um, you know, uh, New York Yankees baseball, you know, I don't know the Miami Hurricanes as a comparison, but I can't imagine what that <laughs> must be like, managing the the media presence of the New York Yankees on an everyday basis. I mean, talk about like a global level um, entity there. And for Larry to be, a you know, the, the point person in that operation, um, I'm sure there were some days that were tough and I'm sure there were some, you know, there were plenty of awesome days too, but um, you know, his level headedness, his, his constant smile, um, you know, you showed up on a Saturday and you would have no idea if Larry wall had just had a tough week or a great week or a great day or bad day, because Larry Wall was the same person every day. So you just as much assumed that he was having a great day because he made everyone else's lives around him better. And um, you know, that press box will never be the same without him. I, I'm,
1: no, dreading, I'm
2: dreading that too. first game without
1: him. Me too. Him just kind of quietly sitting there with a smile on his face. He, Man, he loved the Hurricanes. Watching those games, obviously the Orange Bowl. And by the way, he didn't just bust your chops. I got my- Oh,
2: everyone's <laughs> shot. Oh, I know he busted yours plenty. I was usually sitting in the row between you and him. So the quips, uh, you know, I can only, I can only hope to have as many uh, inspired quips as Larry did because he was, uh, he was the master of the one-liner. He could, he could deliver them like none other.
1: And the thing is, he would, and the, and the, the George, David, you're talking about, uh, and, and Cam, you're talking about Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner. I mean, uh Steinbrenner called him up i think first or definitely one of the first phone calls after Thurman Munson was killed in the plane crash and he was he was very young at that point i think he was like 26 years old and um, just uh, and and you know was totally put his trust in Larry Wall when he was a pretty young kid and then Larry Wall still said that would joke I don't I don't think he was joking that Steinbrenner had fired him who was famous for firing people and <laughs> them, right. even coaches right that Steinbrenner had fired him several times and then and then the next day Larry would get a call saying where are you
2: <laughs> right and I and I think that I think that that's exactly it you know you kind of um you get these sense around people and and you both Susan and David both can attest to it when you're around certain people you sort of just can pick up a different vibe when it comes to authenticity, when it comes to, um, compassion, when it comes to relatability. And a lot of those things, you know, you can, you can fake, you know, to some degree. Um, but, but there's a level there where you really, um, you pass the point of no return. And, and with Larry, it was just so clear cut what kind of person he was that, you know, to, to read that story that you wrote about Susan, about, um, the tragic, um, Thurman Munson plane crash and for, you know, for the Steinbrenner family to put a lot of their trust in Larry to be the conduit to that whole process unfolding. It's unsurprising again, because you know, yep. you, the first time you meet him, you feel like you've known him your whole life. And um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know that there are many people who's, you know, can unequivocally brighten the day of every single person around them. 100% of the time. And I, and I'm cool. not exaggerating when I say that when you saw him, you couldn't help, but at least smile you know, even if you're running, you know, you had a, you know, Susan, you've been on deadline and you're running downstairs to get quotes for for a post game press conference. And if you saw Larry, you couldn't help but smile, even he'd in the middle laughing. of that chaos, you know, yeah, he'd he, be
1: laughing. I mean, yeah he, he would
2: be, laugh at you. He'd say, calm down, Susan, you'll make deadline, just call your, uh, editor. Yeah, he'll he give you an extra couple minutes, you know, and that's, that's what kind of person he was. He just, he was able to put the lives around of people around him at ease. And, um, you know, for that, I'll just be grateful that I was able to enjoy him in my life as a professional and as a friend for as long as I did because he's a he's a special guy
1: and, and a couple other things came about him i so such a smart guy by the way I, I oh my
2: gosh yeah
1: I didn't realize that he w- went to Wharton uh, University of Pennsylvania's Wharton school of business I guess it right. is, and and got his degree and then got you know got his master's um, not at Wharton at Ohio University but um, he It was obvious he was super smart, and he could. You ask him something about the Orange Bowl, you know. It was always changing. He like, he helped, you know, bring forth this whole new, you know, from the College Football Alliance or whatever it was to the from the BCS era, right? College Football Playoffs. That he understood everything and how it worked, and he was just so smart. And and then the other thing I wanted to say was, you were talking about the and I was talking about the Thurman Munson, um, uh, situation, you know, Larry, the lead of my story, the beginning of my story talks about, uh, the voice. Joe Zagacki. Yeah. But right. Joe Zagaki, who was in the hospital after a plane crash. And in that plane crash, um, Joe was, I think, delivering goods after the hurricane Andrew. to people. Right. Did he it, was. Right? Yeah. And, um, he, you know i talked to joe and joe was very close with larry and he, so joe breaks every rib shatters his right leg and his and his ankle and um it's the first time joe has not and still to this day the only time he has missed a game as far as broadcasting right. um, the, the 1992 opener against iowa um, at iowa obviously he had gotten out of the hospital a hospital the day before joe had and all of a sudden there's a knock on his door and it's larry wall okay larry wall had just lost his house his house got destroyed in hurricane andrew destroyed and it was less than two weeks later he knocks on the door because he knew joe was back and says i'm watching the game with you because he knew joe would be so depressed And I think Joe, Joe told me that he called the opening kickoff. I guess he was on the broadcast for the opening kickoff. And he said, Larry was so excited about that. And they had such a good time. And he said, he'll never forget that for the rest of his life. Joe will never forget that.
2: And if you, you know, when you talk to Joe Zagaki and as you guys know, the, the, um, SID, the, the head PR person, works so closely with uh, your play-by-play and your color commentators. And, you know, we are obviously blessed with a special pair. And Joe Zagaki and Don Bailey Jr. have been fixtures in the for uh, so many years. And I think, I think for Larry to immediately think of Joe... You know, to your point, Susan, about just losing his house 12 days earlier. I'm sure there was nowhere other than at the game that Larry Wall would have rather been than with Joe Zagaki. and 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 it's that it's that those relationships that he's capable of building yep. that I think the rest of us in PR could only aspire to be. It's a it's a selfless, thoughtful individual who puts others first, and 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 listen, that's really a lot of the job is managing that. But the difference is in that level of commitment to it right because ultimately as you kind of talked about first susan it's a behind the scenes kind of job where you're a connector of two important entities and that might be the miami herald and a, and a student athlete that might be you know espn and um the nba you know a certain the la lakers whatever it might be but for him to want to be there with joe zagaki for the first game that joe Z wasn't in a booth for and however long you know, that's, that's the difference. The commitment is not, it's not a job. It was never a job description to Larry Wall. This is literally who he was. This is a connector of people. He is a people person to, to the level that I only aspire to be. And he's, he's certainly someone whose memory I will carry with me in this profession for the rest of my life for that exact reason.
1: Yeah, me too. And, 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 you know, relationships is it's all about that's, relationships i put that at the end of the story and that's what everybody told me harvey green and uh, rich dalrymple who is the top guy now in communications and has been for years for the dallas cowboys um and it's very well known in sports uh you know he said he knew that life is all about relationships and right and that's I think that's goes, that's true with everybody and that's why I think everybody in the world is writing to me and tweeting and like like all different people across the country uh, from big time to small time to people you don't know saying how Larry will touch their lives. So anyway, I really appreciate you joining us for this.
2: Oh, I was honored to. When you asked Susan it was a no-brainer. Um, you know, thank you for thinking of me. I just uh, I can't emphasize it enough. What a What a nightmarish loss for this community and his his, uh, you know, the memories that all of us share of him, that electric smile of his 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 one liners that would that would brighten up any press (laughs) box. They'll continue to do so. So he is um, he was a special person. And, uh, you know, we'll have him in our hearts here forever.
1: Thanks, Cam. Thank
0: Thank you. guys. We will see you before too long in person.
2: Yes. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you both very soon.
1: All right. Take care.
0: All right, uh, let's wrap things up here with part one of our two- part uh, spring football preview. Um, we are scheduled to get started down here in South Florida, uh, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. We're going to do this week. We'll break down the offense next week, we'll take a look at the defense. We've talked a lot about the defense this off season, so all the coaching changes. So I'm excited to dive in and think about the offense a little bit today. Uh, Susan, Mm -hmm. I've written out five questions I'm looking forward to seeing Miami try to answer this spring. Uh, Does that sound good to you? Sounds great. All right. Number one on my list is who will be Miami's quarterback of the future? I think it's an obvious number one. Quarterback is always in the spotlight. And even though it's not something that's going to affect Miami this year, uh, it might, I guess, obviously.
1: Yes, it will. will. (laughs) Um,
0: the quarterback situation will be dominated by Jake Garcia and Tyler Van Dyke. And I guess Peyton Matoka also will be in the mix. You know, some of the uh the walk-ons, but I think we all expect it to be basically a Van Dyke, uh Jake Garcia. I don't want to say battle because um nothing, I don't think anything's gonna be determined off of the spring. They're not gonna come out at the spring and, and say, Oh, Jake Garcia is our backup quarterback. I, I don't think they're gonna Yeah, do
1: definitely won't, well, definitely. But
0: um, it's going to be a good uh, way for us to get a sense of what life is going to be like after Derek King in Miami. Um, and that is, you know, I, I feel pretty confident that Derek King is healthy. Miami's going to be pretty good. But uh, the future beyond him is one of the biggest questions surrounding this program right now. And we get like kind of a sneak peek at it uh, in this next uh, month or so here.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. Because we know Derek you know, won't we'll be in spring. That's the, that's the one thing we know for sure. No, you know, we don't know about the fall. Um, that's the biggest question right now in this team. Will, will Dear King be ready for the Alabama game? It's, and it's such a massive question. I mean, you know, if he's, if he's ready, it changes everything. Um, but uh, not sure. And, and so, you know, as far as like uh Jake Garcia, a true freshman, you know, right from high school. No matter how good he is, he's still coming right from high school. Uh, and Tyler Van Dyke, who has been with UM, um for a season. Um, but a really,
0: because he was an early enrollee,
1: yeah. A whole year, exactly. But he basically, he really, I don't know, what did he get in one game, two games? Yeah, he, I, I, he, he did. He was in COVID protocol a
0: lot of the year, too, right?
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, actually, exactly. And but injury, he did get into one
0: point also an undisclosed injury because there was a game where he traveled and was unavailable. So, um,
1: and who knows why that was, right? So, like, injury, who knows? I, I but two, the, the he took he had two, he took two, it looks like he was he had two passes, uh, and, and yeah. no completions. Come on, that was his whole season. Um, so he really didn't he really had very little experience. Yeah.
0: It was all about, I mean, I I didn't expect him to get into a game last year. It was all about him. I mean, I expect him to get in garbage. I didn't expect him to play real snaps last year. It was all about what was he learning uh, from the bench and um, how much of a leg up will that give him on Jake Garcia is an open question.
1: Yeah. I guess it depends, you know, how much of the offense you, he's mastered I that's I guess that sounds like a funny question when you've been with the program for a year but when you haven't really played it's a whole different thing it's a whole different game um when you haven't really been out there um and I don't really uh I Tyler I don't none of us really know him very well I know you saw him we've said at that yeah at the I met him camp. at Paradise Camp a couple
0: of years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, have we had him? I think we maybe talked to him once in the, like the spring or something. I don't, I don't even remember. No, I guess there was no spring. I don't know if we talked to him at all this year. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you're right that no, I don't think we. I don't think we talked to him. I've never no, talked. I don't, to I don't him. think so either. We talked to some of the freshmen, but only guys who were playing, and obviously he was never playing.
1: Um, yeah. I mean never it's funny because I have no clue as to his personality you know what I mean I like especially quarterbacks quarterbacks are so key you know yeah and I and and the thing is Jake Garcia um who is so highly touted and I and uh, he's so kind of known uh, among recruiting types and high school people um that uh like all of a sudden, you know, everybody's forgotten about Tyler. You know, yeah. And, although Tyler played, I guess, in Connecticut, and not as big. Yeah, Tyler.
0: Of- you know, if you watch like what he did in high school, and I, again, he's, yeah. we just haven't see, we haven't seen him throw like at all because we don't get to see practice at all last year. But like, if you look at what he did in high school, and you just look at him physically, you know, he's like looks the part. He can make the throws. Like he's got a really uh-huh. strong arm. Like he, he there's. No reason to not think he could be good, except, like you said, he played in Connecticut, and the competition level in Connecticut is a lot different than the competition level in California, where Jake Garcia spent most of his high school career. And And Georgia. Georgia, where he played his senior season. Um, So, like, you know, obviously Tyler now has had a year of throwing against college defenses. So, like, theoretically he's ramped up. But I I think Jake is more – on paper is more ready to contribute – as a true freshman than Tyler was just because of the level of competition he was, he faced, um, throughout his high school career.
1: I mean, I, I personally would think that too. Right. Yeah. And I
0: think it's also, you, you noted the personality thing. Um, and it's so hard to judge this with guys going from high school to college, you know, where they're the small big fish in the small pond in high school, and then they go to be the small pond and, or small fish in the big pond in college. But, um, people like rave about, Jake Garcia having like that magnet. I think that everyone uses the word magnetic when they talk about him and you think about it, like, you know, he, he transfers to, he moves to Georgia, he takes over his starting quarterback and then he transfers to Grayson, which is like a top five, top 10, top 15 program in the country and right. midway through the season and is able to like be their starting quarterback. Like there is a certain something that, um, you know, that, like I said, that jump is hard to judge what, what, how guys are going to make that transition from high school to college. But, um, there are reasons to think he's got the, the personality you look for from a quarterback. All right. Next thing I have on the list um, is.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. I Anyway, everything you, everything you say, I agree with. I have, I feel, yeah. I feel like I know Jake Garcia more than. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, other, other next on the list I
0: have, um, will it be more of Mark Pope and D Wiggins at wide receiver or, are there going to be some new guys to, to really know, you know, they had the nine co-starters last year, obviously. So I think people Mm -hmm. like know the names of a lot of these wide receivers, even if they didn't really play. Yeah. I feel pretty confident that Mike Harley's going to be a starter. Charleston is a, I feel like he probably will be a starter, but we just don't know. Um, And then the question is, you know, Mark Pope and D Wiggins both, have flashed at times throughout their career. Mark Pope had a couple of really good games. D. Wiggins has obviously been contributing since his freshman season. But right. the note they left us on in that bowl game where they're dropping touchdowns, uh, not a good one. In um, uh, Miami, to me, one of the biggest questions about this offense going into next year, because I actually feel pretty good about the offense at most spots is um, – can some of those freshmen or younger guys, Jeremiah Payton, uh, Xavier Restrepo, Keyshawn Smith, can can someone from that group or a couple of guys from that group take the leap from being depth to being guys who really push these uh, upperclassmen or even will, will one of these, you know, they've got a pretty good group of freshmen receivers coming in too. Exactly. uh, Make the push. um, or is it just going to be more mark pope and d wiggins out there with mike harley and um charleston rambo
1: well i think for sure mike harley yeah i think it's a brainer unless something weird happens yeah and i think i mean d d wiggins to me has a lot of talent but you're right there's been so many drops yeah they've both been streaky
0: I mean, and the the lows have been more frequent than the highs. I would say with both of them, which is the problem. Yeah,
1: and I think that these coaches, like these coaches, are looking for something to to change. You can't just keep doing the same thing all the time. I mean, I think if they, if some of these young guys, I think they're going to get shots. I think they're going to get their shots. I think like a Romelo Brinson, right? They talk about a yeah, lot. The only thing
0: is th- those wide receivers are not here in the spring. But yes,
1: Camello uh, and right. Brashard Smith. Nah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah.
0: But I don't think that'll. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I don't no, know if that necessarily will keep them from.
1: It's a skill position. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you're right in that they have to. They have to learn the uh, the, the routes and the depth. They have to because that's a big thing of learn you know the receivers yeah. getting a college game they can't just like run and hope the quarterback sees them and throws it i mean they have to know the place they really do so mm-hmm. i actually i don't like romelo brinson and um and brashard i know that they're they're local kids i don't yeah. know how honestly smart they are <laughs> i do i don't know them i don't know right. if they're learners whatever, but um, I think even though they're not here in the spring, that they're going to get, that coaches are going to give everybody a shot because these other guys have gotten their shots. Yes. And somebody's got to step up and they, you know, I think the younger kids are going to get shots.
0: Yeah, to me, I'm I'm looking at Keyshawn Smith, who to me was the guy from that group of freshmen that flashed most often, you know, felt like anytime he was in in garbage time he was like making a, a big catch like a long catch like he, he was clearly a guy who could stretch the field for them um
1: I think, had, Keyshawn Smith had 50 had two catches on the season
0: yeah and they were both like pretty big yeah One was 50 like a 50 yard touchdown I think almost
1: yeah. 42 yards you're right yeah and uh yeah no he didn't have any touchdowns you know who
0: Maybe it wasn't a touchdown. Michael Redding had a touchdown, Michael
1: Redding, yeah. Michael Redding, but Michael Redding had three catches for 19 yards, but he did have a, a touchdown. I mean, I he, had, I, he was a guy who was like in the game sometimes
0: early. Like I remember he had a first down catch like early in a game. I was like, surprised. Uh-huh. those are the two guys to me that I think um, clearly seem the most far ahead from the wide receivers from the freshman wide receivers group last year. It's only really those two and Jeremiah Payton, who has just been yeah. so quiet since he's gotten here. The perfect
1: uh, way to describe him, I, I, I could have sworn, and I, I'm not the only one, uh, that Jeremiah Payton uh, was going to be a star by now. So yeah. I'm not yeah. sure.
0: So those are kind of the guys that have my eye on, and I think you're right with the freshmen. Um, that obviously are not here yet, but like I really like, you know, I think I'd be shocked if Brashard Smith doesn't play in some capacity next year, and it's relatively I, I, significant I because they just don't have anyone like him on the roster. He's kind of like that Percy Harvin type um like athlete like wide receiver running back will run jet sweeps will, will right probably be your like starting punt returner like and Rhett Lashley likes to have a guy like that in his offense and he just didn't have like you know he didn't have a guy like that last year so I, I think he'll play in some capacity but I how think how
1: about to call George
0: he's good too I, I think he's in some ways maybe the most underrated guy in this class because you know, he played uh-huh. the plantation which is like pretty good but not like a powerhouse
1: mm-hmm.
0: um he didn't play a lot of games, obviously, because of COVID last year. It, you know, I think he – the one concern with him is he's just – you know that I feel like Miami kind of gets a guy like that every year and it's just whether that guy pans out. Because, you know, a little smaller guy who feels mostly like a slot guy to me. But, um, yeah, I mean, his, his production as a senior was pretty crazy. So, right. I, I think it's just about stacking chips at that wide receiver spot where now hopefully you've got like ten guys and you just need a couple of them to hit – um, so you really get to push those those veterans who have underwhelmed so far. Um, number three question I have, kind of related to the wide receivers, is: Can Will Mallory become a star? Uh, obviously, uh, I, with, Re- yeah. with Revan Jordan gone, it is now his turn to be the top tight end, and I think I think, he's I think the yes, it can take the biggest leap. I think from last season to this season, just in terms of like his yep. profile and his production.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I think the answer is yes. Yes. and uh, he can be a star and i mean I he he had four touchdowns last year i, I you know he has great big uh, graceful to make strides yep he's he's a bull. i mean he is he was uh, a good i
0: remember he was a good uh track and field like a good i can't remember if he was a hurdler or a, like a 300 runner in high school but i remember he was like good like not won a state championship or anything like that but like he was good. So like, you're right with his big grace. He's record.
1: he's very smart there. You could tell he's studious. Um, Very serious. Very serious. Yeah. Dad
0: played at Michigan. Like, you know, he's, he's been groomed yeah. for this. And dad,
1: yeah. And dad is a, a, a special teams coach with the, I think special teams with the Jaguars. I mean, um, he's, he's I think he's really good, really serious, really smart. Um, knows knows his uh, w- any weaknesses that he has and tries to improve it he he got bigger this year he wanted to get his legs stronger and he did um a very very big team player right he yeah. loved, loves the team he's not selfish he's not a showboat um he's strong I yeah I hope and I hope I hope he does really well this year because he's a good kid, and, uh, and he's good for the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a guy, you know, you think of last year, like the guys we just talked to all the time from the offense. It was like, um, obviously, D'Eric, um, Mike Harley by the end of the year, and Brevin, and, like, I think Will Mallory can be, like, a face of this offense. And I think, you know, he's a guy who wouldn't surprise me if we go into the spring game, and he, like, has a monster spring game. Um, just because, especially with the freshmen, you know, young quarterbacks, like the tight ends, um, like, I think we're, we're, we're due for the Will Mallory breakout. And I think we're going to be hearing a lot about him in the spring.
1: Yep. I agree.
0: Next one I've got, um, what is the ceiling for this offensive line? It's kind of an interesting question because, you know, the last couple of years we've gone into spring and the question has been like, who's going to start on the offensive line? Like, what does this group now <laughs> look like? All of a sudden, right. It's like, arguably, the strength of the offense, other than Derek. Um, it's crazy. So in right? spring, I would say it is the strength of the offense, is it's the absolutely crazy. Run, is crazy.
1: It is, and they have a come on, they have a seventh year guy. <laughs> 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 I love that. Uh, and he's not even their best tackle because <laughs> I know it's so
0: like really good by the end of the year.
1: Yep, right tackle Jared Williams coming back, seventh year of college football because as we've said, and Many times, uh, the, every player um, gets an, a free year, a freebie, like a do-over this year, because of the pandemic, because of the coronavirus. The NCAA gave a free extra year of free. We don't mean like money-wise, but yeah. they can come back for another year of uh, eligibility. Um, and so whatever they were before, it's kind of interesting what rosters are doing. I mean, there's going to be a lot yeah. of signs with this. Um, but anyway, so if you were, if you were a red shirt freshman last year, you're a redshirt freshman all over again this year. If you were a fourth year junior, you know, uh, yeah. Fourth year junior. Well, guess what? You're a fourth year junior. Again, the stats still count from the year before, but um, everybody gets a, a, another year if they want to return. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and given scholarships and all that, but I, it's going to be very tricky. We, we, we can talk a little bit about that next week too, about the scholarship situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a big boost for this Miami offensive line that um, again, I think it was pretty good by the end of the year. You bring back um, yep. now seven guys, I think who started a game last year um, and that Jared Williams coming back just gives you like basically, you know, obviously all five guys back from last year who started the majority of games and, and that right tackle spot was going to be a question mark if if Jared wasn't there. Um, you know, were you going to move DJ Scaife back to right tackle? Were you going to – was one of the fresh – you know, the, the guys who were freshmen last year, um, Jalen Rivers, uh, Isaiah Walker going to be in the mix. Um, instead, now you've got – like now you have – the question is, like, where – you know, Navon Donaldson, who was two years ago or three years ago your best offensive lineman – he has no guaranteed spot now. Yeah, you know, I would guess he starts somewhere. If just based on nothing, I would think left guard, where Jakai Clark has been but playing guard. Um,
1: yeah, but the, but they're Jakai
0: Clark has been like fine too. Like it's it's gonna it's the first time that Miami feels like they're not they're not forcing guys in there. They're not like they don't have four guys and they need to like scrape together a fifth. They've legitimately got like six starting ACC starting caliber offensive linemen for five spots, which is a really good spot to be in.
1: It is. And they then they can, they can rotate a few guys yeah. if they get fired or whatever, but I tell you what, with their quarterback situation now, you know, without knowing if Derek's going to be ready, no matter what they say, I I'll believe that when I see it, as far mm-hmm. as it goes, because I don't, I know how, how far we've come with, um, you know, ACL tears and things like that. And and miami has i guess has a great rehab program and they're taking very good care of him and
0: mm-hmm.
1: still uh i think I, I i've counted a couple times it would only be something like eight months right from the time of a surgery to that first game against alabama and remember eight months to the game but you need you know at least four weeks right i yeah, mean you need some time
0: to practice before yeah
1: yeah, you're coming off an ACL, so I'm still very wary of that. And it's too darn bad because, wow, think how – if if Derek were okay, totally okay, having that O-line back.
0: Yeah, and but, especially going against Alabama in the opener with Alabama uh, losing. So, yeah, you know, Alabama's still going to be a pretty heavy favorite, but losing so much from last year.
1: Oh, um, right, Alabama will be totally – Highly favored. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but yes, I think uh, the offensive line ceiling is much higher. I think we yeah. both agree on that. Yeah. All right. Last one
0: uh, is Will there be a breakout freshman uh, other than Jake Garcia? Because we're going to be hearing a lot about Jake Garcia no matter what he does. Um, right. And I mean, the true freshman, as you right. know, the eligibility I knew thing is weird, um, <laughs> where Don cheney is technically a freshman and, and all these guys were really impressive last year. Um, on the offensive side, it's um, kind of thin, other than um, other than Jake Garcia. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I'm looking. None, none of their
0: skill guys, none of their skill guys are on campus. None of the three wide,
1: yeah.
0: or none no, of the. Uh, I guess Elijah Arroyo is. He's probably the the top ranked guy. Oh, oh, that's
1: right. We're talking about offense. I was just going to say Leonard Taylor.
0: Yeah. Well, there's some, there's some guys on defense that we'll talk about next week. Um, yeah, we'll on offense, the two guys that I'm watching out for are, um, I mentioned Elijah Arroyo, who I think, um, you know, Miami's obviously Will Mallory is going to be the starter and, right uh, Larry Hodges and Dom Amorelli both played last year. They're probably like the favorites to be the two and three tight end in some order. But um, Elijah Royo like was a monster this last year in, in mm-hmm. high school and um, could is a little Brevin-ish, like in, as that you know a little bit smaller but good like basically a wide receiver at tight end and I think he'll push for that number two tight end spot um, against those two guys who you know gotta are gonna get pushed this year um, and then the other guy I want to mention is. Uh, Michael McLaughlin from Stoneman huh. Douglas, 6'7", um, 265 right tackle. Not going to start this year, but um, I think he's a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if we hear from Garen Justice about how much he likes Michael McLaughlin all throughout spring. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, wow. Another, another, another O-lineman. Yep. Um yeah. Um, but you're right. Looking looking at the list, I mean, there's just not, you know, there's three three brand new offensive linemen. So I, I there's not so many. There's the full wide receivers we talked about. There's not a lot of them, really.
0: Yeah, on the offensive um, side, there's not a lot of the new freshmen. Yeah, um, Jake. I mean, Jake R C is like probably going to be the most talked about guy in the spring, ultimately. But after him, yeah, um, for
1: sure. Yeah. I I I guess it would be maybe what you're saying, Elijah well, Elijah Arroyo is supposed to be really good, but maybe maybe though we're gonna see one of those wide receivers. You gotta you gotta yeah. hope. I'm kind of hoping it's one of the, those two wide two or three wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Who, the new ones who are the breakout. Yeah, yeah. That'll have to I wait mean,
0: who until else is the small, though, be, really? but yeah. um all right. I think we can wrap things up there. Um We will be back next week, of course. Yeah, to do the second half of our preview, um, talking about the defense, Um, kind of the more questions.
1: And we'll add add some more.
0: Yeah, think of how often we've come on here and just like had no confidence in the offense, and it's totally flipped. Oh yeah, no doubt
1: about that.
0: All right. Thanks as always for listening to the eye on the you podcast. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. Uh, be sure to check out uh, her obituary about uh, Larry wall. Um, she's also got some coverage leading up to spring football. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that next week. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson 2 I'm still holed up here in Lakeland, Florida uh, for state basketball championships. We've got uh, like six South Florida teams up here i think um eight if you include some of the Bra- uh palm beach county teams that we don't cover at the herald so could be a good week for miami basketball or south florida basketball i should say um you can follow uh all that at miamiherald.com uh thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week